Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you are blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church and its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to redchurch.org.au. I'm Britt. I'm one of the pastors at Red, but also I'm just a follower of Jesus who has the privilege of talking about his resurrection this morning, which is fantastic. I've been following Jesus since I was six, um, and I will be honest, it hasn't gotten easier, and the understanding of the resurrection hasn't become any clearer. (laughs) But the power of the resurrection in my life grows ever stronger, and I stand here in the love of Christ and the power of his name, and all I'm going to do this morning is continue on what we've already been doing is give testimony to that, from the scriptures, from God's word, of who he is and what he does and why we're actually gathered in this room. And so I look forward to doing that with you. I'm not here to convince you about the resurrection or try and explain it to you to its nth degree because there's something beautiful in the mystery of it. And let's not rob that of what it is. And so what I ask and actually what I sense Jesus asks this morning and what is after from you is belief. I don't know how you arrived here this morning. Perhaps you've been dragged by some family members. Welcome. Maybe you're here because you come here every week. Maybe you're here because you believe in a historical Jesus, but you're yet to encounter him or really don't know if that's possible. Or maybe you've kind of dusting off your belief. You'd been staying in the garage of your mind for a little while and you thought you'd pop in there and have a look again. However you've arrived today, I invite you to listen It sounds weird, but with your belief. We're not here to seek more knowledge. We're here to encounter Jesus. And all he actually asks of you is that you believe in him. And that's where true life is. So as we begin and as we explore the scriptures, as we spend time with Jesus, let's bring forward that belief. And again, whether it feels strong, whether you're on piggybacking on someone else's belief, just a little bit is all he needs. And so let's... Let's enter the word. Let's explore this idea of resurrection and covenant and everything that comes with that. But first of all, you know when you read a good novel, as you begin like the first chapter, you're kind of getting to know the characters in whatever form that is. And there's often these little seeds, these little like plot seeds that you're meant to take note of because later on you read and you're like, oh, they mentioned that in the first chapter. You know that like when they're building a character or like the story, there's these great, I love that moment where you're like, oh, they hinted at it earlier on. Do you know the Bible is actually like that as well? And I want to do that this morning with threes. Today is the third day, right? We've had Good Friday. We've had that deep rest and darkness and the unknown of Saturday. And then today is Resurrection Sunday and Jesus rose on the third day. We're We're kind of common with that language, the third day. But actually, there's a beautiful pattern throughout the Bible around this. And I'd love to look at that to recognize that resurrection is very much linked to the third day. And resurrection is also linked to covenant. You're probably like, Britt, what the heck is covenant? And that's fair, because it's not something we're used to in our culture. God used it as a way to connect with his people in their context. In a quick summary, a covenant is like an agreement between two parties, God and his people. It's not like a contract. That's probably the only thing we have closest to it. A covenant is different. It's actually relational. It's about relationship. It's personal. And so whenever we see this three-day pattern of resurrection, we also see this covenant. 
And maybe you've heard before, people talk about being in relationship with God and Jesus and spirit, and they say he's my friend or he's my counselor or he's my father or he's my teacher. But biblically, the way that it's described, our relationship to God is partnership. And that's what covenant is. It's a partnership with God. And so let's hold that in mind. And let's look at this three-day pattern in the Bible. So let's begin in Genesis. Genesis 1. First day, on the first verse, God speaks and there is light. So the first day. Second day, God speaks and he divides. So there's sky and the ground. Third day, what happens on the third day? It says Genesis 1, verse 9, water under the sky was gathered and dry ground appeared. And then verse 11 says, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on that land that bear fruit with its seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. So there's been light, a divide of sky and ground. And then from nothing, life emerges. This seed from the ground emerges and brings life, death, darkness, life, third day. Adam and Eve are a part of that Genesis story. And they're given this opportunity to be in relationship, in covenant with God. And all that he asks of them is that they will trust and obey. And he says, I will give you blessing. And you will continue to produce blessing on the land and offer that to others and continue in that process, just as he did on the third day. He brought life. And he's like, humanity, join me in bringing life. Let's spread this earth with my life and my joy and my blessing. All they were asked to do was to trust and obey. That is their side of the covenant. His side is, I promise to be the faithful God that you know me to be, and to honor you, and to love you, and to love this world. If you know the story, Adam and Eve broke that trust. The enemy got them to think otherwise of God, that maybe he wasn't trustworthy. But God is faithful to his promises. He has made a covenant. And so a little bit further along, we're going to get through the Bible, so I've got to jump a few things, but I'll let you guys read on. A little bit further along, we come to Abraham. Does anyone remember the Abraham song? From Yeah. Father Abraham had many sons. Yeah, I'm not going to keep singing because I can't sing. But that was beautiful. Thank you for joining me. He calls Abraham out of the nations to be a people to build covenant relationship again. And so we're a little bit further on in Genesis, and Abraham is called by God, and God says to him in Genesis 12, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's the same as in the garden. Abraham, I'm going to bless you in the whole earth. Humanity, we're going to bless the whole earth. Abraham, it's going to happen through you. And he says to Abraham's wife, Sarah, Your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Isaac will be the new covenant partner. But we know what happens to Isaac and Abraham. So in Genesis 22, as Isaac's a little bit older, we read, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw a place in the distance. That is the mountain 
where God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham, will you trust and obey? Even though I have said that the covenant and the blessing will come through this child, will you trust and obey that I will answer it and I will deliver, even though I'm asking you to sacrifice him? God acts in that moment. Abraham gets to the top of the mountain, puts Isaac down, and is about to light the fire, and God's like, wait. And there's a ram in the bushes. God provides life where there was going to be death. And a new covenant is formed. Resurrection and covenant. Let's keep moving on. So Abraham, Isaac, wonderful family. They grow and they become the nation of Israel. Yes. And then we find them in Exodus. They've become this big nation. And um, Egypt aren't really big fans of Israel, unfortunately. They're not really loving it. And they're trying to oppress. In fact, they are oppressing this nation. And so these people cry out. These people that are meant to be a people of blessing, of God's love, of fruitful, of new life. People of Eden, citizens of Eden. And so God rescues them. We hear of the story of Moses. And they are taken out from death, from this oppression, and brought into life. In Exodus 19... Verse 15, they're at the base of Mount Sinai, and God says to Moses, prepare yourselves for the third day. What's coming? It's the third day again. Verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain. Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And God enters a covenant with his people. He says to, you, to them, I know you, I love you, you are my people. I am faithful to my promise and I will bless you and you will be a great nation and through you all the world will be blessed. It's the same promise, it's that repeat. And it's on that third day, death to life and relationship again. There are so many times that we see this where we are called to trust and obey, but also where we fail that. Humanity is really good at doing that. And so we get to the prophets. Israel has failed, and people wait for that to be filled. God is faithful to his side of this covenant, his promise. He cannot go back on his word. That is a part of who he is. And so there is still hope, and they wait for someone to fulfill the other side of that covenant, to be that perfect covenant partner, you know, say, it's a beautiful book. He is a prophet and he lives his story. In Hosea 6.2, he says of God, after two days he will revive us and on the third day he will rise us up that we may live before him. The echoes of this story, that pattern, three days and I will raise my people. I will raise Isaac. I will raise the nation. He's saying it through the prophets. And then probably one of the most quirky three-day ones is Jonah, right? I mean, it's another one where you're like, oh, this is a fascinating story. Probably the most interesting resurrection, being like spat out by a fish. It's pretty cool. But it's also three days, right? God is faithful. Even Jonah, God says to him, Jonah, I just would love to send you out to Nineveh. You're just going to Tell people about who I am. You're a part of my people. Tell them of who I am and that I'm good and that I will bless them and I will call them home. And Jonah's like, actually, I think I'm pretty good. I'm going to head in another direction. Anyway, there was a biblical commenter that said for Jonah, essentially, it was just like to imagine the context. It was as if 
you are sending a Jew into um, a Nazi um, troop or country, essentially, telling them to go back and to proclaim the gospel in that sort of setting. So it's a little bit understandable that your humanity, like Jonah, you'd probably be like, I don't think I want to do that. But God is still faithful to him, isn't he? Although he doesn't trust and obey, he's still like, I will remain faithful to my covenant. And he raises him from death to life and restores that relationship. And so this third day pattern, we see it. It's all throughout the Old Testament. That was a very quick version. I invite you to explore it yourself. We haven't got the whole time to go through the Bible, even though I would love that. Then we get to Jesus. Jesus says this a lot. He says it a lot in the Gospels, and there's a reason for it. We are meant to be his followers and to know his word and this story because it's our story. This story is our story. And so when he says third day, we're all meant to be like, oh, yeah, God does stuff on day three. Think about what he did with the Israelites. Our memories and our emotions and our minds are like God brings redemption and new life on the third day. He did it in the beginning. He did it throughout that whole time, and he will do it now. So Jesus is like, I will rise on the third day. Does anyone want to guess how many times he actually says it in the gospel? Don't be afraid, go for it. Five, bit more. Eight, bit more. Twelve, bit more. Fifteen, bit more. Twenty, one more. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Twenty-one. Twenty-one times. When anything is repeated in the scriptures, it's like someone's taken a massive highlighter and being like, take I want you to recognize this. Jesus proclaims this. And what we celebrate today is him saying and living out that promise. I will fulfill. I will be that faithful covenant partner. God has remained faithful the entire time. And you know, it's actually God who fulfills it at the same time, but in humanity's form. That's Jesus. It's not just Jesus on the cross. It's Jesus and God and Holy Spirit. And that covenant is restored. And today, that is what we celebrate. And what does that mean? What comes with resurrection life? New relationship. And all the abundance of Eden. And we celebrate that. And then we also look forward. It says in the scripture for when Jesus returns and the entire earth will be restored to be like Eden again. There's beautiful passages in Revelation where God will wipe away every tear. (laughs) Can you imagine? What well, we heard this morning, different testimonies, that's God's blessing. That's Eden here and now. That's a taste of that. And that is what we celebrate as Jesus rise, rises today. We celebrate the resurrection. It's the rest- restoration of all creation that Jesus promises when he returns in all his fullness. And so in biblical language, it's a new covenant Jesus has made a new covenant with God and said, I will fulfill that for humanity. I will trust and obey. And he did unto death. And it it was the third day. And what did God do? He did what he's done since the beginning of time. I will raise you to life and all will be blessed through you. Whoever comes to him will know that blessing. I really like Joshua Butler's description and explanation for resurrection. He's a wonderful biblical writer. So I'm going to share this quote with you. The resurrection is not a motivational talk to get our lives together. 
It is God's life-giving power breaking through the walls of our rebellion, spilling around the ramparts we've erected to receive all who will embrace by his reconciling goodness, to restore all who will repentantly submit to his kingdom reign, to flood the earth with God's glory when all things are made new in the power of Christ's victory. Jesus is not a path we set out into the universe on to go find God. Jesus is the way God has come to find us. Jesus stands here today. He's come to find you. And all he asks is for your belief. He stands today saying, come. Come and be in my kingdom. Come and be a part of my family where there is blessing and life and take that out into the world and bless others. I want you to know that. Come. I have made a way. We are his covenant people. Just as Adam and Eve were and Abraham, Moses, Israel, David, Jesus, we now step into that lineage as the people of God. Jesus did it perfectly. He was from the family of Abraham. He is a faithful Israelite. He was of the line of David. And he shows us what it means to be a faithful partner in covenant with God. But there's something else that he makes new in this covenant. And that's where I'd like to end. So I'd love to read some scripture about resurrection, but it's not the usual place we go to. I want to look at how Jesus describes resurrection. So we're going to go a little bit earlier on into the Gospels. And we're going to a point which is a very well-known story. If you've read the Bible a few times, it's one of the first resurrections in the Gospels. It's the resurrection of Lazarus. It's a powerful story. And so Jesus has been told that Lazarus has died and he has waited a few days under God's leading before he goes to visit Mary and Martha, who are Lazarus' sisters. And so we're going to pick up the story there. And let's see what Jesus says about resurrection. So it's John 11, and we're going to go from 17 to 27. It says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, like a good Jew, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. This is a common belief of the Jews. At the last day, at the end of times, all of God's believers will rise again. So she's referring to that. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Friends, this morning, Jesus is saying to you, I am the resurrection. Not I was just resurrected, 
or I know of resurrection, I am. I stand before you as your King and Lord, and I am the resurrection. And just as he asked Martha, he asked us this morning, do you believe? Do you believe that he is a resurrection now, that he stands outside of time? And so, yes, at the end times when he comes back, all will rise and be a part of God's kingdom, but he's bringing that forward now. Do you believe, friends, that he is the resurrection of life and that he wants to restore your life, that he wants to bring your blessing, that he wants to do the things that happen in Acts in your life and in your time and in this generation as God's people? This is what we're celebrating today. It's not just a memory. It's not just a story. It's a lived experience. Resurrection power. He is present here. He's present in your life as a follower of Jesus, and he wants to bring the kingdom, the winds of Eden, the power of that time into your life, into this generation. Do you believe? He's asking you that. He's standing before us. I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Resurrection is the power of new creation coming in a moment. It's the power of grace having the lies disappear and feeling relief for the first time. It's the power of Naomi living under the weight of that lid and it being broken and truth emerging and healing. You know, the thing about Jesus is because he's beyond time, he can go back and heal things that has happened to us. He can take us forward. He can do something in the present. He is not bound by time. He is the resurrection. There is no darkness that he has not overcome or explored or won, has won. He's asking us today, will we believe? I am desperate to know a Jesus that continues to bring healing to people. I would love to see people physically healed. I want to see people in my family return to him. And I know there are people here who want that too. Do we believe in this resurrected Jesus? Will we live our lives in that way? Do we trust him? All it takes is that belief. Trust and obey. We will be that partnership people. And you know what I love? When you read the Gospels, it's not like in the first century when Jesus popped up after the resurrection, everyone was like, hey, yeah, we knew this was going to happen. That's so good to see you. Welcome back. Right? That's not what happens. It's so fascinating. Think of Nicodemus, who meets with Jesus at night and is like, okay, Jesus, you're really blowing my concept. I have studied the scriptures for years, and you're talking about a rebirth. What? Jesus kind of leaves him with that and is like, bless you, I'm on my way. <laughs> you know, Nicodemus is thinking about these things. Where does he pop up again? He's a part of actually clothing Jesus and putting spices on him before he goes into the tomb. Imagine that. Sacred moment he shared with Nicodemus, saying to Nicodemus, broaden your concept of God. Don't box him in. He wants to know you, Nicodemus. Your faithfulness is good, but believe in something greater. And then he has the opportunity to wrap Jesus, to touch the flesh of Jesus, to care for him and place him in the tomb. Imagine the day he rose. What happened to Nicodemus? Oh, my goodness. Oh, think of Martha. Yes, Jesus, I know that at the end of time, it'll happen. Don't we sometimes do that? I'm guilty of that. Oh, yeah, Jesus did that in Acts with the early church, but I guess it just doesn't happen here. No, 
He's saying to Martha, no, believe now. I am the resurrection. I'm coming now. I believe he's inviting us to be excited by that, to pray for it, to seek for it, not for our own glory, but for his, that others would know him and his timing and his way. And the final character I want to point out is Thomas. Oh, we love him, don't we? Yeah? What a guy. He's faithful. He's with Jesus. He's literally seen Jesus. And he says to the disciples, he misses the first um, encounter that Jesus comes to the disciples. He's not there. And so they say to him, Thomas, he's risen. He came back. And Thomas is like, until I see him, I will not believe it. He wants Jesus to prove something. Thomas values his knowledge and his mind, and he wants evidence. And friends, sometimes that gets in the way of seeing the risen Jesus. And the grace and the mercy is that Jesus still does it for him. He says, Thomas, come here. Come close. I want to show you my hands. Touch it. Believe, son. And he says to him, you know, Jesus, um, Thomas proclaims, you are king and lord. You are the Messiah. You are the resurrection. Jesus said to him, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who believe and who have not seen. That is you. You are blessed. Let your belief rise. I believe in this time, God is teaching us a new way to know him, to believe in him, to see him, to understand him. If you look at the word knowledge in the Bible, the Hebrew word is yada. Beautiful word. And yes, it means this knowledge, this knowing of someone. But there's another part to it. The knowledge that they speak of is that kind of knowledge that transforms your heart and soul. It's an experience of God. Knowledge is not just here, it's here. And friends, we are in desperate need of that knowledge. Some of us have never experienced God. Some of us have forgotten some of us need to be revived, to be resurrected by that knowledge. It's a difference about knowing about someone and actually knowing someone. What if that's what God's up to? What if today as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, Jesus is risen? What if he's saying, I am looking for a generation of people, of my people who will trust and believe that I have brought resurrection life and I will do it again? And I'm going to come close and make myself known to you in ways you've never understood. I'm going to completely change the framework of what you've understood of who I am. Don't you kind of secretly want that? It's a little bit frightening. But that's good because he has to be bigger than us. There has to be a better story. There has to be more. And that's what we celebrate today, that there is. That's why we speak of who he is. That's what we've done this morning. God wants to bring resurrection life and renew covenant with us? Will we be those faithful people? Will we be his covenant people and send that blessing out into the world? I'm going to finish by reading a quote by a man called Stuart Piggin. Great name. He's an Aussie guy who writes about revival. And we've talked about this. We've talked about what God's up to. We've used the words renewal. We are seeking that. We're teaching on it. We're praying for it. We're posturing ourselves for it. So he says, outside of a relationship with God, the human condition is one of death. Hence, covenant renewal 
or restoration of the relationship, that is, revival, is a prerequisite for life. The Bible shows that it is the sovereign God who takes initiative in covenant renewal. Revival is a sovereign work of God. Friends, I genuinely believe God is moving and he is bringing his presence and his power that we would know him and trust and obey him and be those faithful covenant people. We are resurrection people. We are covenant people. We are a renewed people. And please stand as I say this last part. Whatever you've heard today, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would highlight it as we stand as your covenant people. Whatever belief you have, little or great, may it be completely (laughs) encompassed by Jesus. May he enlarge that. And I pray that we live renewed in the power of the resurrected King. Amen. Let's worship him.